All right, I'm here with James Maskell. Uh, James is a serial founder in the functional medicine space. He's a freedom advocate, particularly a health freedom advocate. He's an author, um, very passionate about uh, health freedom, about alternative medicine, can I call it that? And he has recently started a service called Find Functional, and I'm gonna ask him to talk about that. But welcome to the show, first of all. Yeah, um, thanks for being here. Big yeah. fan of your work for many years and glad to finally uh, jam in person. Oh, well, thanks for thanks for being here. Um, could you first maybe talk about what got you into health freedom? What got you into functional medicine? What is functional medicine? Where Where is this all coming from? Yeah, so uh, I was actually, I was born in America. I grew up in the UK. I did, I was kind of the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. It was forced upon me by my parents. Um, I was the only kid in school in the 80s whose parents insisted that uh, they be called before I was given antibiotics. And I always just wondered, like, how did my parents know? Like, how were they 30 years ahead of understanding that there was going to be some downside risk of overuse of antibiotics and that's sort of how I grew up I realized that you know seeing a chiropractor wasn't normal when I went to school and then I I, I trained in health economics so I did um, health economics at university and that's when I really became aware of the scope of the problem facing not just America but the UK both the same problem which is cost going up like this and, you know, the cost being so high that eventually it would bankrupt both the countries, you know, within my lifetime and not that far into my lifetime. And, you know, I just uh, I had a kind of a moment of clarity as I was starting my first job in London as a banker, having gone down the sort of normal route that people go and just realized like, hey, maybe this is mine to solve. Maybe like what I the way that I grew up is a unique opening an aperture to understand like a different way to understand health economics because you know it was all being driven by chronic disease and so I just thought mm -hmm. let's let's follow that so I quit my high-paying job I moved to rural Georgia if you can imagine it and um, I started working in a clinic that was a sort of doing um, integrative medicine it was doing you know a combination of standard of care medicine and, and non-standard of care medicine and focused on things like lifestyle and prevention and herbal medicine and nutrition. And within the first year and a half of running that clinic, I saw things that I couldn't unsee. You know, it kind of reminds me of the, the film, the big short, you know, where they go uh, and they go and look, they go actually to go, they can't believe what's happening and they go into the, you know, it, they go down to Florida and they see people with no jobs and, and uh, no income in these $500,000 mansions. And they realize like the world is not exactly what they think. And I saw people in that, in that clinic reversing chronic illness. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw people visibly transform people who were on a bunch of medication in three and six months time, completely off that medication. And I saw people like look very different. And I was just like, I'm, I'm getting a window in here to something that I don't think that many other people understand. This is 2005, this is 15 years ago. And um, that kind of lit a fire under me, realizing that like somewhere in here is the solution to possibly the world's most vexing problem, which is the cost of chronic disease and the skyrocketing cost of chronic disease that is independent of who pays for it. So in the UK, it's all government. Here, it's a hodgepodge of government, individuals, and employers. 
But in both cases, the cost is just skyrocketing. And so that kind of set me up on this like 15 year journey to try and really understand what was happening and to understand, you know, what we could do about it. So a couple of questions then. Um, so regarding the, the skyrocketing costs, um, A, what's, what's causing them to skyrocket? I mean, in, in other industries, we see, you know, they we generally tend to see costs coming down. You know, when you think of electronics, consumer Ball electronics. Store. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that not happening? I'm not sure I can say in medicine across the board, but why is it not happening with chronic disease? And sort of the second part of that is, if it's so easy to address chronic disease, as, as you witnessed in this clinic, why is that not happening on a wider scale? So the first thing I'll say is it's being driven by lifestyle-driven chronic disease. So, you know, if you go back 40 years, you have the majority of the population healthy and not on any medication. If you go back maybe, let's say, 60 or 70 years, then you have like a small group of the population that are chronically ill, and then you have some costs that come from acute illness and acute issues like car crashes and, and that kind of stuff. And ultimately, you know, that's where the, the cost is low. Over the last 50 years, the explosion has come from chronic disease and ongoing medication and ongoing services being delivered to essentially the middle of the bell curve of the population. You know, today, 86% of the costs come from lifestyle-driven chronic disease. So type 2 diabetes, heart disease, the, all the autoimmune diseases, mental health, like the, all of these issues have, are, are growing significantly. And particularly with something like autoimmune disease, the drugs are super expensive. Humira is $5,000 a month. You know, some of these cancer drugs are, you know, are skyrocketing. So the cost of the intervention multiplied by the chronicity of the in intervention, like over time, multiplied by a much greater group of the, of the population, that sort of, um, you know, that adds up really quickly. And to answer your second question, you know, why is, is functional medicine, you know, isn't it being used? It's because, you know, ultimately you have to think about it from the doctor's point of view. So from the doctor, you know, they're, they're, they're not taught about it in school. You know, medical education is 17 years behind, uh, or clinical practice is 17 years behind the science. None of these doctors are taught it in school. And the only way in which they switch their practice to practicing in this way is typically because they come across something in typically their personal life, like an a unhealthy child or an unhealthy wife or their own issues, where they realize that their pharmaceutical toolkit is not, is not getting to the root cause of this condition and they go mm -hmm. looking for alternatives. And when they see those alternatives work in, in such an elegant way, they're just like, hang on a minute is this really the way that medicine should be practiced? Or maybe we should focus on lifestyle first. Maybe we should get people eating a clean diet. Maybe people should eat, you know, or sleep eight hours a night. Maybe stress reduction does, you know, help to, uh, you know, to, to reverse these kind of things. And maybe targeted nutrition can help and, and, and that kind of stuff. And so then they go in this other direction and then they're faced with trying to build a practice in that way. And it's just, it's just really slow to adopt for the doctors. We've actually seen patient interest really outstrip uh, the, you know, the, the doctor interest because patients are reading blogs and reading books and attending summits and, you know, taking advantage of the information economy of the last 
15 years and getting it way ahead. And so the functional medicine movement has been a little slower because doctors aren't really humble enough to, you know, to understand what's right in front of them, which is that the pharmaceutical first approach for chronic disease is not working, has not worked and needs to be scrapped in my opinion. And I apologize. I have to have my phone on because my kids are out at a horseback riding lesson. So no there are going to be little jingles from time to time. No I really apologize for that. Um, so it's interesting that you talk about this, this sort of disconnect between patients and doctors. And I think parents especially are really familiar with that because those of us who've sort of gone on a more natural approach are constantly hearing, and I have to say not from our doctors, because we actually have some very, very good doctors who are very open-minded, but I'm hearing, I hear stories from other parents all the time of just, you know, concerns being dismissed and things that they've heard being dismissed and, and, you know, oh, don't trust Dr. Google, you know, you know, don't, don't do your own research. Just listen to what I have to say. Um, there, there does, I don't know if you want to say anything about sort of the, um, the suppression of information. I mean, there's, there's, I think in the, in the medical community, there tends to be this, this attitude of really dismissing what parents learn on their own. Um, and then even outside of the doctor patient relationship, there's, there's been real censorship of things like, you know, vitamin C for COVID-19 or, or vitamin C generally. Um, do, do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, I mean, that's why health freedom is really important because ultimately people uh, who are aware of this and have seen it work for themselves, you know, they want to have access to this kind of care. There has been actually in the last 10 years, I would say, a sort of, a, you know, 10 years ago, you had doctors losing their license for going outside of the scope, you know, the standard of care. You know, pediatrics is still the most conservative specialty, but you are starting to see you know, for instance, last year in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association was a study showing that functional medicine outperformed family medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. There's a Cleveland wow. Clinic Center for Functional Medicine that is seeing patients and growing and getting a ton of, um, you know, uh, is working well and the data coming out of it is very strong. You're starting to see more and more, you know, organizations realize that our approach to chronic disease is, is off kilter and starting to look at these ideas. So, you know, functional medicine is definitely, um, you know, on its ascendance. And, uh, and so, you know, we've seen in the last, just a ton of progress and, and yeah, like, you know, patients are, are, are searching this kind of care out. Um, and, you know, when I, if, when I take a step back, you know, pretty much the first seven years, I was really learning. Like I went to thousands of doctor's offices. I saw how this was being delivered. Yeah, I, you know, I started, I took a job as a sales rep selling to these type of doctors. I really wanted to understand, you know, best practices, what's working, um, you know, how do you, you know, how do the, what are all the different names? Like you've heard of naturopathic and integrative and lifestyle and functional. What does that all mean? And how are they all different? And what's their education like? And how can we scale this, this up? I mean, how can we give access to this to, to every American? And so when I first started to share my own vision, 
you know, the first thing that we did was think, okay, we need to have way more doctors trained in this operating system. And so we, in 2014, I started a show called the Functional Forum. It's the first Monday of every month. It's been running for over six years. It's still going, functionalforum.com. You can watch all the episodes. Started off as a live show. And in that, in that show, we showcased doctors who were doing functional medicine and loved their jobs at a time when, you know, most doctors hate their jobs and wouldn't recommend their kids go into medicine for the first time in generations and are getting mm. burnt out and just like hate the sort of, you know, the moral injury that comes from practicing in this system where they have to give everyone drugs. It's the standard of care. They can't listen for more than seven minutes and ultimately, you know, they know that there's more going on with these patients, but they're stuck in a system they can't get out of and they just get burned up and they commit suicide in record numbers. So the first job we had to do was like, we need to build the number of doctors. And I came up with, or I popularized a new way of practicing what we call a functional micro practice. And that's actually a low overhead practice with a big telemedicine component so that you could practice, let's say out of a co-working space or a small uh, a small space you didn't have to have the big space get out of insurance you know build patients directly create you know affordable ways of doing that using things like health coaches direct primary care which has been a a big movement which is like a direct relationship between the doctor and the patient and getting all the middlemen out of the way and so that was that was the first stage of the plan and now the new the next stage of the plan is starting to build structures where people can use this care, you know, without it having to be like the fifth opinion, right? After everything else has gone wrong and they've spent all their money on copays and drugs and all this stuff, how can we set up a way that people can just access this as their standard of care? And so over the last few years, I've, I've started a couple of other companies um, to try and give more Americans who are awake to the fact that, you know, if, if their best way of, not getting a chronic disease is by participating fully in their health. And that, you know, if you are someone like that, then you want to have a health plan that reflects that knowledge. And you're not going to, you know, you're not going to use your medical plan in the same way as someone who's just sort of like um, kind of waiting for the ball to drop and, you know, is not diabetic today, but is pre-diabetic and doesn't know or doesn't care. Right, right. So just to back up a little bit, how do you define functional medicine? So functional medicine is, uh, you know, the way that I would define these. So functional medicine is a specific operating system of care. So unlike integrative naturopathic lifestyle, which is sort of terms that describe a style, mm -hmm. functional medicine is a specific operating, operating system of care that differs from conventional medicine in, in three main ways. One is the goal is to find the root cause of the dysfunction. Two is that the patient plays an active role in their healing. And three is that they see the body as a, through a systems approach, a systems biology approach. So they don't see, you know, the digestive system as, as um, separate from, let's say, the nervous system or, you know, um, the brain is not separate from the gut. And the new science is essentially showing just that, is that there's right. profound right. interconnection between all the systems of the body. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and so, you know, it's not a great system if the gastroenterologist doesn't read the neurology journals because most of the disease is happening where one meets the other. Right. And so functional medicine is a, is a systems-based approach to getting to the root cause where the patient participates in their care. 
And by having a set system, it allows things like the Cleveland Clinic Project to work where you can have dietitians, health coaches, physicians, assistants, and doctors working in teams and delivering care um, and speaking the same language to get the kind of great results that would get it into JAMA. So getting back, okay, getting back to sort of the patient's family, let's let's say that I'm you know, working for a major corporation, I've got uh, whatever medical plan I have, let's say I'm with Cigna. How, how do I access what you're talking about? So if you have your, if your plan comes from your, you know, comes from your employer, you're kind of stuck because you're stuck inside that scope. And it, there's, there's very few, or there has been very few uh, pr- doctors doing functional medicine who practice inside the system. Mm-hmm. mainly because you can't, you know, it takes time to get to the root cause. You have to sit with people. You have to hear their story. You have to like really understand what the etiology of their disease was. And so it's very hard to do that in the insurance model. Now in the last few years, that's started to change. And I can talk more about that as we go along, but you know, ultimately what it has been up until now is that you would seek out one of these doctors and you would pay them cash and you would become a cash patient of that doctor, and it would be happening outside of your health plan. Right, right. And But you're changing that. Yeah, so we're changing that in, in a few ways. So one, you know, we created uh, a, a medical cost-sharing community where, you know, I, I've seen for a long time that this, this concept of medical cost-sharing and functional medicine tied together very nicely Um, It's a long story to get into, but essentially medical cost sharing is a different way of taking care of the downside risk of having an accident. So there are a number of organizations, most of them are Christian in, in origin, where groups of people come together to essentially say, look, we don't need your insurance. There's 10,000 of us. If Johnny has a, you know, motorcycle accident and it costs $10,000, we'll all send Johnny a dollar. And those groups, you know, became more sophisticated over time. And actually, there's more than a million Americans that use those systems. And so, you know, when I was, when I was, when I first got insurance, like I didn't have health insurance for the first six years that I lived in America. I knew a lot of doctors and I was young and I just was taking a risk, I guess. Um, like so lots of young I, people. It's yeah, when that, I first had to get it, because uh, I had a daughter, you know, insurance for me in New York would have been $1,800 a month for a plan that wasn't going to cover the home birth of my child, wasn't going to cover the pediatrician that I wanted to see. So I was like, why am I even buying this? Right. So for $400 a month, I joined Liberty Healthcare. And so I was saving $1,400 a month and I had the pediatrician that I wanted and I had the home birth that I wanted and I got to choose because I knew what I wanted, but I still had the downside risk uh, prevention. You know, one of the tricks that industry has used is to call your health plan insurance. Right. Because of course you need insurance, but yeah, that health that's plan not really is what it is. insurance. It's a whole plan that includes drugs and doctors and primary care and this and that. And so ultimately by, by, you know, my goal is to be independent of the healthcare system and not to have to go to the doctor at all. Maybe I'm going to test myself regularly just to see where my levels are. But in general, I'm 39. I take, I go to CrossFit. Like I um, eat well. My my family does is healthy. Like I'm I'm looking to go fully blue zone, right? And by that I mean, you know, the blue zones are places in the world where people live to 100 without any medical care. And without chronic disease, because they just have a culture of health that's reinforced, healthy behaviors that's reinforced by a community. So that's my plan. 
And if things go off, and if I get hit by a car, if I have a skiing accident, I have the medical cost sharing, and then I'm going to pick and choose my doctors. So that's the first thing. So that's, that's one way. The employer space has been a bit of a tough nut to crack, and I haven't actually tried to crack it. There have been some efforts into it, but essentially you're dealing with a ton of middlemen and the brokers and all this stuff. It's a bit of a pain in the butt, but I definitely see that there is potential to use functional medicine. Like, as an example, if you're on Humira and you have an autoimmune disease and your company's self-insured, right, and they know, hey, in the next 10 years, if this person stays working for us for 20 years... This person's healthcare costs 100 grand a year. This person's going to cost us $2 million over the next 20 years. They can't fire them. So what if they invested $5,000 now in a functional medicine program where one in three people could get off Humira? One in two people could get off Humira by significant lifestyle change, dealing with the underlying causative factors, which in, in autoimmune disease can be like environmental pollution plus um, uh, what they call leaky gut, which is intestinal permeability breaks in the mucosal lining of the gut. You know, so if you understand that, you can actually reverse it. So I, I see some potential there for the example that you gave. Right. And that would be, so you're, you're talking about not trying to replace existing employer health plans, but to go in and say, hey, you can, we can actually save you money by, and if you enlist in our Program. We could be a service that the health plan could endorse and pay for because we yeah. could show that we can save you money in a medium term plan. And for some, for self funded insurance, I think that can work well. For not self funded insurance, you have complications of like companies can change every month, every yeah. year their insurance company. And so the insurance company isn't likely to invest in preventive med- measures, whether that's by design or whether that's just a, a quirk, who knows. Um, but ultimately like that's the employer employer space now in the individual space. So, so, you know, there's medical cost sharing as a, as an opportunity for people like me who are self-employed or work with a company that's less than 50. But, um, you know, what we're doing with fine functional now is, you know, having been in this space for this long, what I realize is, you know, going for a one-off two hour appointment with a doctor who costs $300 an hour is not a really efficient entry point to understand functional medicine. And so we've re rejigged the order in which functional medicine is delivered to be based under the one North star principle, which is how do we get people the most well for the minimum cost? And so rather than putting the doctor at the front, which the doctor at the front is a hangover of acute disease. Like if you get hit by a car or if you have an infection, you want the doctor first, you want the best diagnostician there. But if you've had, if you've been pre-diabetic for five years, you know, you're not going to die tomorrow. And what you actually need is like peer-to-peer support. You need someone who's, you know, look at Alcoholics Anonymous, right? For, mm-hmm. for, for 80 years, we've known that alcoholics don't need drugs and doctors. They need accountability and support, right? What community used to provide, but communities sort of been like etched away you know, through the the growth of technology. So, you know, so we see the value of like group delivered care and group, group delivered care. If you, you know, I wrote the book on this called the community cure came out earlier this year. You will, you know, group groups of people working together to change lifestyle and support each other. And doing that is, is the future of chronic disease care. I'm absolutely convinced. And, um, and ultimately, you know, so peers, technology, 
health coaches, right? Coaching is a new concept, but it came from business where you realize, look, if you can change behaviors, it can have a radically big impact on the bottom line of your organization. Well, if you apply that to health, exactly what we need is changing behaviors because 97.3% of Americans are not doing the regular health behaviors that will lead to long-term health and resilience. 97.3. Wow. 60% are on a drug. Uh, sorry, 60% have a chronic illness, 70% are on at least one prescription drug. So we've got a big uphill battle. And so, you know, the goal of Find Functional is to make it easy for anyone, employer plan, individual, Medicare, Medicaid, to engage with functional medicine, to understand the principles, to really learn, you know, what, what it is and how it works and how they can participate. And there may be a doctor involved, but you know, what we've seen from some of the most innovative models like the Cleveland Clinic is that if you put people into groups and you have them support each other in changing healthy behaviors, people's health can change 180 degrees in three months or six months. And that community support is actually the thing that's been lacking. And especially in the times of COVID where we've all been like profoundly isolated. Mm-hmm. So let's say I wanted to sign up for this. What, what would that look like? Um, how, how do I how do I engage with Find Functional? So there's a couple of ways. So we have a if you you know you can start with our Path to Health program where you're going to sign up. It's forty nine dollars. You could go through a process of uh, you know of learning about functional medicine, and we'll introduce you to what we call our health advocate. So a health advocate is halfway between a patient advocate and a health coach. This is someone who's trained in functional medicine has trained in health coaching, but has also reversed their own chronic disease and can help to advocate for you before, you know, while you're still learning to advocate for yourself because many people aren't in a position to advocate for themselves because they've been traumatized by the super traumatic healthcare system that we have. Yep. And they, they need help in order to, you know, to even step forward in their own power a little bit, right, is, is something that, you know, that, that, people don't just know how to do. So we, pl- we partner you with that person. Now, from that point, there are a few different options. You can join a group where groups of people will now work together to reverse their chronic illness in three months. Uh, we have a product program called the Immune Collaborative, which we created off the back of, uh, obviously, the massive irresilience that we're seeing in America to COVID, right, where the range of effects that people are having with the same stressor is so wide. Many people yeah. no effect at all, the majority. Some people die. Some people have a you know chronic you know, little infection. The the gap between you know getting dying and having a serious infection and having nothing, that gap can be understood by your own internal function. Mm-hmm. If your own internal function is high, if your liver function is high, if your gut function is high, if your methylation and detoxification function is high, if your immune resilience, you know, that there's different aspects that make up your immune resilience. If all those functions are high, you just, it, it, it goes right by. If your function is low, if you're metabolically unhealthy, if you have heart disease, if you have type 2 diabetes, if you have any of those issues, suddenly this same stressor becomes a huge issue. And so what this is teaching us is, you know, public health has to be, you know, seen as a lot of healthy individuals. And so we need to focus on getting individuals healthy. So we have group programs, we have that, and included in your path to health is also recommendations of a few doctors who are, you know, trained in functional medicine locally. Because 
because of my first project, there is a functional medicine doctor like in every town in America pretty much right now because, you know, doctors are seeing the light and the movement is growing on the doctor side. But rather than having that be the first port of call, we've seen that you can get a lot more people a lot more well, a lot quicker by sending them through a process where they really understand their own role in healing. They understand the principles of functional medicine. They get sort of stimulated to start to activate some of those healthy behaviors and that, you know, their reaction to starting to activate some of those healthy behaviors tells us a lot about how we need to get healthy. Like most people have undealt with trauma that came from their childhood that maybe stops them from moving forward and getting healthy. So let's not waste money on all the upstream stuff, drugs, supplements, labs, and whatever, until we deal with that. And so, you know, we're, we're, it's, 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 um, we're reorganizing functional medicine so that one, it's affordable to almost everyone. And two, so that eventually insurance companies could pay for it because there's many reasons why insurance companies won't pay for functional medicine, but part of it is because it is because, uh, you know, doctors aren't really tracking their outcomes, you know, in any of medicine, right? If you go to any doctor, if you haven't been to that doctor, if you go to any doctor and you haven't been for an appointment for a couple of years, they can't tell you if the, if you're dead, if you moved out of state, if you are better or if you're worse, like we don't have those systems in medicine at all. And functional medicine doesn't have them. And we're starting to see that more and more groups are starting to track their outcomes. And that's when we're seeing that, yes, what we've known sort of like from our heart for a long time is that when you focus on empowering people to participate in their own health, you get to the root cause, people get better, and now we can prove it. So not to be cynical, but it sounds like what you're talking about could be a big threat to the pharmaceutical industry. How do you see that? Have you gotten pushback from that part of the world? I mean, I don't think we've we've reached enough, uh, you know, we haven't reached enough yet in, in sort of my efforts to, to make an impact, but, you know, that's the medium-term goal. You know, I would say there are subtle ways in which this is playing out all the time, and, and some of what we're seeing right now, I think, is a subtle, you know, pushback from the pharmaceutical industry to, you know, to, to focus on, on, you know, to, to focus in those efforts. So I think we're seeing the very beginning of it now, but I would say, um, or not the beginning, but like sort of another phase of it. But, you know, what I would say is, you know, one thing is definitely happening. Medical systems are starting to realize that this group visit methodology is not only like effective at helping people change behavior, but it's actually kind of profitable to deliver because if you're charging mm-hmm. 16 people's insurance to be in a group with just one right. provider, that's cool. And so, you know, Cleveland Clinics realized that. I would imagine, you know, there's Aventist Health, which is here in Sacramento, that's realizing that. And more and more of these institutions are going to start to realize, so hang on a minute, this is now you know, before functional medicine with its slow appointments, it was not a very good fit for insurance, but in the group model, it's a great fit. And so I think um, that that would probably be the way that we'll see the most scale the most quickly because something like Adventist Health, you know, they've got 21 hospitals, 300 clinics, four states. They just acquired the Blue Zones project. 
So they're going all in because they're Seventh-day Adventists. That's the sort of the thesis of their, of their right. culture is supporting people in community to get well. So you're starting to see big organizations realize, okay, it's time for us to like step forward into this health creation space. And I'm super excited to see, you know, what the future looks like on that end. Yeah, that's interesting. So it seems like the people actually delivering the care are seeing the benefits of this, whereas, you know, the, the pharmaceutical industry is sort of living in a different space. Um, you know, maybe it's not to its advantage that this is beneficial, but the people actually on the ground are, are from what you're saying, starting to recognize that, you know, this is, this is, it's working, it's helping people, and it can be done in a way that's economically viable. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing. You know, the, the biggest thing that's hampered functional medicine, I believe, and part of the reason why I wrote the book is because there have been many incredible efforts to bring this into the system in, in big health centers like Alina in, uh, in, in um, Minnesota, in the Continuum Center in New York, in, the, in Mount Sinai and in Arizona. And these are all like led by gurus, you know, and with a lot of like typically philanthropic backing at the beginning. But once the philanthropy money runs out and some other like, you know, uh, bookkeeper or, or accountant comes in and says, hey, you can make a lot more money doing heart stents than you can like getting people well in a group. Let's go back to heart stents. Right. So, right. so that's, that's why it's been up until now. There are a couple of things that in the medium term, like I think we'd be talking about the switch to value-based care for like a decade and it hasn't really happened that much because it's slow to move because everyone's getting so rich doing fee-for-service care in the healthcare space. But oh, So what is value-based care? So uh, value-based care is essentially paying for outcomes rather than paying mm. for procedures. So like if this person has heart disease, I say, Doc, I'll give you 10 grand and that's all you're getting for him in the next, you know, uh, three years. So, you know, you choose what services you do to him, but that's all you're getting. And so now you have a super incentive to get these people into groups of people mm -hmm. supporting and reversing their heart disease because, you know, because ultimately you want to keep that people well because the least services they use, the more you make. Right. And that's the way that it's moving, but it's super, super slow because it's such a machine. It's, it's the most, you know... One of the things that someone said is a friend of mine, which I think is a great fit for your listeners here, is they said, look, people say healthcare is broken, but the truth is it's not broken. It's fixed. It's just fixed to do not what you think it's there to do. It's there to just create ridiculous amount of money uh, for all the people involved, hospitals, insurance, and pharma. And, you know, they're not going to let go of that anytime soon. And so there's been incremental changes um, but I definitely see that, uh, you know, the number of people that are, the number of people that are proactively looking for a new way of doing healthcare is, is increasing. And, and I think, um, you know, COVID is, is waking even more people up and we'll see. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to ask you about. Have you, have you noticed, um, sort of a jump in interest with COVID and are there specific things people are looking for, um, you know, in the last few months, have you seen have you seen any trends, anything different in in the people seeking out? Well, functional? I mean, I, you can tell me. Like, I saw in March, you know, supermarket shelves of vitamin C, vitamin D, elderberry, right. whatever, bare. Right. right. I know supplement companies whose 
olive leaf supplies are basically completely gone for you know for two years because it wow. takes a long time to grow olive leaf. Wow. Um, so or an echinacea. You know, so definitely people voted with their dollars early on and were like, oh, I know how to like support my immune system. So that's that's one one phase of it. You know, one story I heard today actually that I thought was really interesting is a, a company in our space actually sent wellness kits to residents who were in doctors who are in residency. Oh. And, you know, it really sparked some, you know, some super strong interest in them wow. to say, like, how come we've never heard about this? We've been in medical school for eight years and now we know that there's a way to improve your immune resilience through targeted supplementation and so forth. I mean, you don't even, you don't have to be a, you know, if you've seen any of the graphs on vitamin D and COVID, you can't help but think this is insane. It's phenomenal. Yeah. People who have their vitamin D in a solid level, like no one gets anything. And then people who have low vitamin D, you know, get all these issues like, this, this should be front page news. Right. And the fact right. that it's not front page news tells you exactly the sort of the, the, the enemy that is being fought is that like media, doctors, journals, hospital systems, like this is all big, one big money making machine. And that ultimately you have to consciously opt out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I really love your writing is because ultimately I think you're addressing that that topic, not just in healthcare and, and in other spaces, but ultimately people have to sort of reclaim their sovereignty and, and participate in a new way based on new information and systems don't change that quickly or yeah. don't change at all when the incentives are set up in the wrong way. So this yeah. is why I think that the first step is, is that. And, and what I've seen time and time again, Brittany, is that when people have a health crisis, it can be a moment of consciousness creation. Because now suddenly they realize that they have an opportunity to take action from a new story about themselves, right? The old story is like, oh, my body doesn't work and, and you know, I'm, not, I'm disempowered and the doctor's not saving me. The new story is like, I'm responsible for this and I, I got it. And that, that, the way that when people have that transformation, it permeates into other areas of their life where now they're not dealing with these people, you know, their relationship has to change. They're not doing this job anymore. They're like, they changed completely. And I, one of the reasons why I decided to work in healthcare 15 years ago is like, cause I realized that there was a, there was something happening in healthcare where you had an opportunity to access people with this kind of conversation where you could really avoid it if you really tried hard, you could kind of avoid this conversation um, all your life if you uh, if you didn't in another way. So that's that's kind of where I'm, I've seen and I feel that uh, you know health health transformation has a big role to play in societal transformation. And if people learnt the lessons from getting healthy, they would look around them and say, "Why do we even have all this stuff?" Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the New York Times like last Monday. Um, you know, they said, look, lots, the majority of healthcare is not getting delivered and everyone seems fine. Yeah. Well, that you, I'm sure you saw the, the big drop in uh, infant mortality in the U S I did see that. Can't imagine why that would be shocking. Um, you know, um, yeah, look, that's a, you know, that I think autism, pediatric chronic illness is just sort of like, the most obvious sort of um, if you want to talk about like a niche of this mm-hmm. world where you see one, you know, 
the, the thing that got me fired up actually go back in my stories that when I first started selling to doctors doing natural medicine, some of my first clients were doctors in the, you know, in the New York area who were consistently helping people recover from autism. Like mm. I, I, I actually know dozens of kids who have, like I've been there, I've sat in the front room, I've met these people, I know these families. And the way that you do that is you improve the function of the kids. The digestive function improves. Autism has a ton of digestive stuff. Guess what? When you improve the digestive function, then the brain function starts to improve because the gut and brain are connected. Right. You know, ultimately, you know, you start to see. So that's on that end. And then on the other end, you see, I I interviewed um, Toby Rogers recently who shared that, you know, autism is going to cost more than our military in five years by 2025. He's defended his PhD thesis on that. because. As of today, one in 20 kids in New Jersey has autism. That's 5% of kids. Multiply that by $2.4 million, which is the lifetime cost of care for those kids. And you start to realize that's $120,000 for every person in America that's going to have to be paying for that, that care. So, and that's just one disease. So like, this can't happen quickly enough. I'm doing everything that I can to reorganize things, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I do hope that this COVID moment has, has helped to wake up a lot of people. And, you know, what should be happening today is we should be hearing from all government agencies or whatever about how to create more immune resilience for whatever comes next. And because we're not hearing that, one of the things that we did through Find Functional was to create an immune resilience challenge, a five-day free challenge where people could come through. It's the third week of every month. We're going to do it again because it was a spectacular success. We had hundreds of people come through it where you learn in five days what is the thing that is drawing down your immune resilience? How can you become more immune resilient? And working with a group of people to do that. And this is our effort to try to just be like, look, someone's got to talk about this and ultimately if every person in that group invites everyone they know you know in two or three iterations we'll be uh we'll be at everyone but uh, i'm not sure if that's gonna happen so how, how do people engage with that if somebody wants to participate in the five-day free challenge how do you how do we do that if you go to findfunctional.com uh the next one is it's the third week of every month so we just finished okay. one in june it's going to start let me pull out the date i think it's uh july 20th is going to be the next one so if you go to findfunctional.com or you just search the Immune Resilience Challenge, uh, you can join there. Uh, in five days, you're going to learn the principles of functional medicine. We're going to show you the science on, as an example, the vitamin D I just shared with you there. But yeah. you know, sleep, trauma, the gut permeability I talked about earlier, environmental toxins, all of these things affect our immune resilience. It's a super, super easy way for people to come, engage, you know, one of the biggest things that's lacking in healthcare is hearing from other people just like you. And mm-hmm. so we've got that functionality in there. And then at that point, you can decide, do I want to, you know, continue on with functional medicine? Is there a reason for me to do that? Do I, am I glad to know that this exists? And maybe do I feel confident in canceling my health plan um, and moving to a medical cost sharing option, saving a ton of money because I know that this is the kind of care that I want if I do get sick or, you know, that I'm going to use ongoing. And that's, and, you know, and that's, the idea w- with that kind of choice, you're, you're saying basically a cost sharing thing is there to cover real emergencies, yeah. which is no longer what insurance is for, yeah. for us. Um, but a f- something like fine functional 
a way is a way of finding doctors and other other practitioners to treat you in a more functional um yeah yeah we've we've curated the practitioner network so i i know more about the doctor network in america than anyone else i start the meetup group i did a 26 city live tour two years ago in a bus with my family so i've met everyone i know what's going on Ultimately, you know, just in the same way that family medicine and primary care kind of got furloughed by COVID, many functional medicine clinics also were furloughed. And and also you can't just walk into clinics or you haven't been able to. And so we built a completely digital platform where you can start to integrate with patients, with people now. But in our system, the first port of call is this health advocate, someone in many cases, they're nurses. In some cases, you know, they, but in all cases, they're functional medicine trained, they're health coaches, and they have reversed their own chronic illness and have kind of made their way through the system. And they're there to essentially guide you on, on how to get the most healthy for the least amount of money. Nice. Awesome. Um, I'm going to have to let you go. This has been really awesome. Uh, I will post links to all of your stuff, to your book, to find functional. And um, is there a way people can contact you or is there somebody else they could contact if they have questions? Yeah, you can uh, find, you know, find functional is the best way to do it. Go on there. You can send, send me a message. You can connect with me on uh, Instagram. I'm Mr. James Maskell. That's probably the, the best, easiest way. Send me a message on there. And uh, yeah, I'd love to love to connect. And uh, yeah, I hope this is useful. And uh, look forward to um, you know to to seeing more ways in which we can help everyone you know get healthy. Yeah, well, I think I think there's a lot of interest right now, especially, and um, people are looking for alternatives and are kind of recognizing that. I think there's a lot more of a recognition of sort of the failure of the conventional model and. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.